What's going on, everybody? And welcome into another edition of B-Shafe Daily. My name is Brendan Schaefer with you here in the early morning hours of Friday, April 8th, following opening day at Bush Stadium on Thursday as the Cardinals, boy, did they ever take it to the Pirates. 9-0, St. Louis wins the home opener at Bush Stadium. Adam Wainwright was tremendous. Six innings of scoreless baseball. Allowed five hits, I believe. Didn't walk anybody. Struck out six. And pretty much ho-hummed his way through yet another big start on a big occasion. He's a big game pitcher. He always has been. And it seems like he rises to the moment when there's something special going on in the ballpark. And you can count opening day as something special indeed, especially this opening day, the final one for Yadier Molina. Albert Pujols is back, and it'll be his last as well. As for Wainwright, he has not said that, but obviously uh, with the connection he's had with Yadier Molina, whether Wainwright plays another year after this one or not, a special day on Thursday as they're the starting battery. It was number seven for Wainwright, passes Bob Gibson in terms of home openers that he started. And always the way it goes down is that in those home openers, the the six prior to today, and for every home opener that Yadier Molina has had throughout his career, because I believe this is number 18 in a row for him, consecutive, 18 or 19. I can't keep it straight. 19th season, 18th home opener, or opening day, I should say, start in a row for Molina. But what always happens is the Clydesdales are going, the players come out after the Hall of Famers. They've got the convertibles and the players are coming out in those the big brand new trucks. Yadier Molina never does that. Yadier Molina is always out in the bullpen warming up the starting pitcher for that day. And so he'll give a polite little wave when they say his name and then, then he'll go back to warming up the pitcher. But this one had to be different, right? Because it was going to be the last one for Molina. We knew that. You've got Albert here. Wayno is still here, whether he plays again after this year or not. This was going to be a special one. And so I like what the Cardinals did at the beginning of of the ceremony today. Or I shouldn't say the beginning of the ceremony, but the point at which you would normally begin to have the players, the active players, come in on the trucks and begin introducing the active roster. Instead of doing that, they had a little bit of a, a pause and allowed Yadier Molina for, I guess, the first time in his career, because I think every single other one of them, he's been out in the bullpen during it, but for the first time to get that standing ovation at home plate as Yadier Molina's name is announced. They announced Wainwright first, Albert second, and then Yadi. And Yadi is the the main attraction in all of this. And I think today kind of cemented that. If you didn't know it already, you probably realized it as I did down at the ballpark today. It's great to have Albert Pujols back. I don't think there's any Cardinals fan who says, oh, I'm I'm mad that he's back. I don't want him back. Maybe you're out there and, and, and you're bitter about the whole thing because he left and you don't think he should be able to have this redemption tour with the Cardinals in his final season. I think it's great. Most people think it's great. But I kind of could sense today when you would have the moment for a Yachty ovation that it was just a little bit different than an Albert ovation. It was as though almost you could sense it in the cheering from each individual Cardinals fan that was like, 
Albert, we appreciate you and we love you and we, we're so glad you're back. But then when it came time to cheer on Yachty, it's like, hey, you're the one. You're the one that stayed the whole time. You're the one that, that has been here for your entire career and you're the one that we know is retiring at the end of the season because those other statements would be true as well about Wainwright, but Wainwright may not be finished after this season. And so it it really is at the end of the day, it's about all three of them, but it's, it's about Yachty, I think more so than the others. And that kind of was on display a little bit today. And I thought that was good. I thought that was fitting uh, the, the video tribute that they showed on the video board after introducing the hall of famers kind of focusing in on Yachty, Albert and Wainwright narrated by John Hamm. It was really, really good. I went back and and watched it. The Cardinals have posted it to their Twitter account. I think it's even their pinned tweet, possibly. Uh, But if not, you can scroll down their timeline a little bit, and you'll be able to find it. Really good stuff, really emotional stuff for Cardinals fans. I'm sure you guys out there thought the world of that. It was a pretty cool moment uh, when they played that and then introduced the guys at home plate. And, And so I just thought that was a really fitting way for the Cardinals to have this final opening day potentially for the three of them. And certainly we know for a fact for the two of them to go. I thought that was really cool. And then the Cardinals went out and won the game in pretty convincing fashion. And I think you could make the argument that despite that this was the pirates and the pirates are going to be pretty bad this year. I maybe when I did the preview the other night, whichever night that was, it might've been last night, but I did the the preview where I said, you know, that the NL central was going to go a certain way and the pirates were going to finish in last, but the the pirates maybe wouldn't be quite as bad as they had been in past years. I don't know after today. I don't know if I, uh, if I'm necessarily convinced of that, they're going to be, they're going to be pretty putrid uh, based on what we saw today. Nine, nothing. The Cardinals beat the pirates at Bush stadium. Mentioned Adam Wainwright, six scoreless innings. Ali Marmal said, you know, later in the season, maybe he could go even a little deeper than that, but no reason to push him beyond that point today. And he looked pretty sharp. Wainwright said his command could have been a little bit better in some spots, but all in all was satisfied with the performance today. You had a sold-out crowd there to see it, 46,256 in attendance. And they were treated not only to the sentiment and the ceremony and the festivities that preceded the game and the cool moments during the game when you're just getting a chance to to cheer on these players that have become franchise icons. And I'm counting Albert within that because he is a franchise icon, even though he's been gone for a while. He's back and it's like nothing's ever changed. It's honestly kind of surreal to be watching Albert Pujols today. I don't know if other people maybe were uh, could relate to that feeling, but it was just like, I was just sitting there and and it your mind plays tricks on you a little bit because on the one hand you know that this is a unique thing and it it's something that you didn't never necessarily expect to happen again for Pujols to be in a Cardinals uniform and taking at bats as a member of the Cardinals at Bush Stadium like it's just but at the same time you're like well yeah that's just like your mind kind of goes it snaps you back into that place that you were 11 years ago when that was just all you knew from 2001 to 2011. That's all you knew. Baseball in St. Louis was Albert Pujols and and the two were synonymous. So it's just kind of fun. It's kind of weird the way memory kind of trips you up that way. And I don't know if this is a unique feeling for anybody else watching it today, but I, 
I'm looking forward to that feeling for the rest of this season. And I, I think it's a fitting way for, for Albert's career to end. It's just going to be a really good thing. Hopefully he's able to provide some good moments. He went over five today, put the ball in play, you know, didn't come up with a hit, but he reached base twice due to a couple of errors. Hopefully he's able to, and again, this was against a right-handed pitcher for uh, at least the majority of it, his at-bats today. I know at the beginning it was a righty Brubaker on the mound. Hopefully for Albert's sake and, and just for the sake of everything kind of being nice and being able to tie a bow on it, he's able to come up with some good moments and, and not be a drag on the roster. But certainly I don't think he was, you know, he he held his own today. He He gave a charge into a couple balls. I say a charge. He had a couple fly balls that were medium depth to to deepish fly balls, and I mean you know he's going to have a lot of those this season. I think there's going to be a lot of those 350 foot fly balls to center field or 320 foot fly balls to left that aren't going to get out. They're going to be caught, and people are going to go, "Oh, could it be? Could it be?" And that's not. But I I think too he'll have some moments that uh, are going to give people reason to to celebrate and cheer. So stay tuned for that. But let's talk about. You know, beyond the ceremony and, and the festivities of what opening day is, and it was definitely very special, I want to talk a little bit about the game itself and the way that maybe within even one game, as I started to talk about earlier before I kind of got sidetracked, yes, it's the Pirates. Yes, the Pirates are going to be bad. But even considering all that, I I may have been swayed by today alone in terms of my expectations for what I believe this Cardinals team can and, and maybe what they will do this season because on the season preview episode of B-Shape Daily which you should go back and listen to if you haven't yet it was like 53 minutes long and so it, it may be that you didn't have time on the, the busy opening day to get to it still offers a lot of good uh, information and inside opinions analysis of what I expect from the roster and kind of the way I saw the division shaking out but already almost I'm ready to to kind of give the Cardinals maybe even a little bit more credit than I did yesterday in that episode because I said the Brewers, I thought, would win the division. The Cardinals would be nipping at their heels. After one day, I'm ready to be like, you know what? I think that was silly. I think the Cardinals win the division because I just think they have too much talent on this roster, and I think there's too much of a drive to to win and, and have some real success in the final season for these guys that it's just, it almost feels, barring a lot of injuries, which could happen. You've already had Flaherty get hurt. But barring some injuries and some some things going the wrong direction, I'm starting to drink the Kool-Aid a little bit where I I just feel like this could be a year that that could be pretty special in a lot of ways. We know that the pitching and the defense has been kind of the way this team has been built in past seasons. And that last season when the pitching wasn't there, you struggled and you felt that. And then when the pitching was able to stabilize through some of the moves that they made, adding to the bullpen, adding to the rotation at the trade deadline, suddenly the, the pieces started to fall into place and you had a lot more success down the stretch of the season. And you were doing that during games where you were hitting well, during games where you didn't have offense, you still found ways to win. I think the difference maker for the Cardinals this season, and I'm going to write about this more on Friday, but I think it could be the offense. I, in, in in conversations today, manager's office before the game, that was the, the vibe that Ali Marmal was putting down. Was asked about a surprise element. What's something that could surprise Cardinals fans 
about this team in 2022 in the opinion of the manager of the team. And he didn't miss a beat. And in fact, rather than describing to you what he said and how he said it, I'm just going to let you listen to it. The question was asked by Katie Wu of The Athletic. And here's her question, and you can hear immediately Ali Marmol's response and his explanation for why that is. And I thought this was really interesting. So I'm going to play it for you, and then we'll talk about it. Here it is. Is there maybe an underrated part of your team or just a characteristic that you think is really going to surprise people this year? The offense. Yeah. I think we we talk about this ballpark quite a bit and how it's a pitcher's park. We talk about um, a lot of different areas of our game here in this organization. I, I don't think um, – the offense is at the, like the forefront of people's thought as far as what they're capable of doing. I think we're going to have a very powerful offense. Yeah. So that was Cardinals manager Ali Marmol explaining why he believes it's the offense that is going to take some people by surprise this year for the St. Louis Cardinals. And just the way he said it, to me, it was so matter-of-fact, was so, like, like he knew the question was coming, and yeah, well, yeah, this is, of course, what it would be. Uh, I don't know why anybody would think it's anything else. And it wasn't like in a haughty way. It was just like a matter of fact, like here it is. Yeah, I'm glad somebody asked this because we talk a lot about our pitching and being in a a pitcher-friendly ballpark at Bush Stadium. We talk a lot about how our defense, maybe the best in Major League Baseball, is really something that helps our pitchers along and, and makes our pitchers, which we feel are already really good, it makes them even better. We talk a lot about that. We spend a lot of energy on on those topics. But let me tell you this, our offense is going to be really good this year. Like, I just thought the confidence and the conviction with which Ali and Marmol presented that was really fascinating. Again, it wasn't in a cocky way. It was just, yep, this is what is going to happen. <laughs> I thought it was fantastic. And then what did the Cardinals go and do? They went and backed it up. Nine runs, and again, it's against the Pirates. I get that. And so we're going to need to see some more. We're going to need to see that consistency. But I think when when you hear Ali Marmol and, and John Mozeliak, he kind of had the same reaction. Said, yeah, the offense, I think, is going to be a, a source of pleasant surprise for people this season. That's kind of the way the team is viewing it. And when you look up and down the lineup, it's honestly not hard to see where they're coming from. Maybe I'm just wearing the rose-colored glasses, but let me let me frame it to you this way. The Cardinals have three players that if any one of them won the MVP of the National League this year, I, I mean, it might be a surprise, a pleasant surprise to have something like that happen. Like, the Cardinals haven't had an MVP award winner since Albert Pujols in 2009. It's the last time it happened. So, to say that, you know, it would be something that anybody expects from anyone in a given season is is not exactly what I'm trying to say here. But what I'm getting at is if any of the three guys were to win MVP, I I can't sit here now and say, yep, that, that would be impossible. Like, it wouldn't shock me to see any of the three of them do it. And I'm talking about Paul Goldschmidt, I'm talking about Nolan Arenado, I'm talking about Tyler O'Neill, who probably, I haven't checked the stats, but at this point he probably leads the NL in RBIs after one game, after one day, because not all teams were in action today and he had five so I feel like chances are, are better than not that he's that he's doing pretty well on the leaderboard in, the, in that regard but Paul Goldschmidt looks locked in 
And today he looked locked in with regard to the strike zone. He didn't get a lot of pitches to hit. In five plate appearances, he walked four times. I thought he was going to end the day without a batting average for the season because he hadn't registered in that bat officially. Just plate appearances. Took four walks in a row. At least one of them, I recall, being a full count walk that he had to work, fell off some pitches to get there. He was spitting on the sliders. He was spitting on the pitches that he couldn't do anything with, and he was taking his base. Got a stolen base out of it. Talked about yesterday, him being 12 for 12 in steal attempts. Last year, he's going to do it again this year, guys. He, he may get thrown out eventually, but he's going to steal double-digit bases. He's going to continue to look for those opportunities because these guys are hungry to score more runs, and he's that smart of a base runner and that smart of a baseball player that I think Paul Goldschmidt just knows he can take advantage of pitchers who who don't necessarily see him as that threat the way they should. He's going to do it. He's one of the smartest players in the league. So the power as well, I think, can come for Paul Goldschmidt. You saw it last year, 30-plus home runs. I think the strikeout numbers could even go down with the kind of plate discipline that he showed at least in game one of 162 today. And so, like, is it impossible that Paul Goldschmidt would win an MVP? No. I don't know any. I don't know why anybody would say that it would be impossible. I don't think anybody would say that. Even as he kind of gets out of, he gets to that age where you say, well, he's not really in his prime anymore. I don't know about that, folks. He looks good. He looks locked in, too. Just the, the mental focus is going to take him a long way. If I were to take, if I were to set the line at a 400 on base percentage for Paul Goldschmidt this year, and again, he's he's starting off at a thousand, so it's it's a little easier to say this after one really successful game. But if I were to set the over under, and just to to point out where he was last year, three sixty five last season, four seventeen during the COVID year, so he's done something like that before with the Cardinals. Prior to that, twenty seventeen was the last time he had a four hundred on base percentage. I would take the over. I would say he's going to do it this year and have a 400 OBP. He's 389 for his career. I know he's into his age 34 season this year. Turned 34 last September, so really he'll turn 35 before the end of the season. I, he doesn't look like it. He And I know we spent all this time talking about Wainwright. Don't, doesn't look 40. Yachty's still going at, you know, at his age. Paul Goldsmith, yeah, I guess technically he's getting up there in age. I wouldn't say it to the man's face <laughs> because uh, he, he looks locked in and he looks like he's going to have a really, really good season. Arenado, similar story, younger guy, right? You you would still consider Nolan Arenado where he is at his age, only 30 years old. He'll turn 31 in a couple weeks, but that's, that's the prime of your career in general. And with what we've seen him talk about with, the swing adjustments that he's worked to make this offseason. Homered today, he looks locked in. He All spring training, he looked locked in. He's been an MVP candidate in the past. There's no way that you could tell me, yeah, Arenado you know, winning would be an upset. No, I think he's a candidate. Has to be a candidate. From 2015 to 2019, each of those years, he finished in the top eight in the MVP vote. So, certainly a candidate. Tyler O'Neill. Absolutely a candidate. I I mean, if he does what he did last year, he deserves to be in the top 10 in the NL MVP vote. I don't know offhand where he finished last year. 
looks like eighth. So, you know, he finished eighth last year. Kind of was a new name to the scene. People could look at his numbers and 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 say, "Yep, this guy's deserving of being in that conversation." Still, probably struck out more than he'd like to. 168 times in just 537 plate appearances. Remember, he did miss a little bit of a, a chunk of the season due to an injury at some point. I remember him having a short injury list stint. Um, 912 OPS, which I believe led the Cardinals last year. So he's absolutely an MVP candidate. And today, he looked every bit of it. Hit a ball that that went for a base hit and an RBI in the first inning. Had the three-run homer. It kind of went off the glove of Newman. He didn't have it. I think it was Newman. Whoever it was, it was up the middle. Pirates did not have a good day defensively. They're going to be a disaster. We get it. But the home run for O'Neill, smoked to left field. Had a sacrifice fly later on. Five RBIs on the day. So I'm just talking about the offense. And I'm trying to get into the mindset that the Cardinals have and say, what could they be seeing to come up with these I'm not going to even say they're grand statements because Ali Marmol is being asked a question. Mosellock was asked a question about, you know, what could surprise this season. They both said it's the offense. And you heard the way Marmol said it. He sounded like he believed it. And then the Cardinals gave you reason to believe it, at least in their first showing on Thursday. But behind those three guys who I would consider to be, I'm not, I'm not saying that, they're ranked right at the top of the MVP candidate list. I'm saying they're all capable of having those types of seasons this year. It wouldn't surprise me to see any one of them do it if if they if they can get locked into their capabilities. Okay, behind that, what do you have? Dylan Carlson. He's going to be the leadoff man. I asked Ali Marmal today about what he likes about Dylan as a tone setter for his lineup at the top. And here was that exchange with Cardinals manager Ali Marmol before Thursday's opening day game. I, I like the chance of us being one nothing after one pitch. I really do. I mean, this guy could drive the baseball out of the park. He hits doubles. There's just a presence to him. Um, his maturity is through the roof as far as just being able to handle it. Um, so, I mean, when you look at a lineup and you can't ease into it, I'm in on that. I just love that from Ali Marmol. I'm in on that. You talk about a lineup that you can't ease into. There's no comfortable start for an opposing pitcher. Yeah, I'm in on that. Well, that's what he believes and, and what I believe that Dylan Carlson has shown so far that that he that he brings to the table as a table setter for the Cardinals. And that's kind of what he was in this game, along with Goldschmidt taking his walks and doing his thing. Carlson goes two for three, or pardon me, one for three, but reaches base a couple of times, scores two runs. I think he's going to be really interesting in that spot. Carlson had a double that got things going in the first inning. It was kind of a blue pit, but you'll take it. You'll take it and uh, put a good swing on the ball, hit it where it was pitched, and so that's the result that you get. And I just I feel like that's going to be a good fit for the Cardinals to have him in that leadoff spot, to have Goldsmith as a guy who knows his game, who knows that he can be a combination of getting on base when that's all the opposing pitcher is offering. But also that he's going to be a punisher as well when they give him pitches to hit. But it's going to get difficult. I, I honestly think with Goldsmith, O'Neill, Arenado, 2-3-4 in the lineup, it's going to get difficult for pitchers to decide who to go after. Today they decided to go after Tyler O'Neill and pitch around Goldsmith. How'd that work out for him? Not real well. It, it's going to be kind of a, a Sophie's choice. They're not going to have a good option. They're just not especially with with Arenado as well, kind of following up in that cleanup spot. 
it's just going to be a dangerous uh, a murderer's row kind of sort of thing for opposing pitchers. Arenado goes one for four today, just the homer, but he had a walk as well, so he reached base twice. That two, three, four in the lineup is dangerous. You heard what Ali Marmol had to say about Dylan Carlson, not just as a table setter, but a guy that can put you up one nothing after one pitch. He's going to have his fair share of leadoff home runs this season, I do expect. And so you feel good about one through four. Okay, number five in the lineup. Albert goes over five today. I don't think he's going to be your number five hitter every day. I think you might see Corey Dickerson in that spot a lot of times against right-handed pitching. You might see Lars Newpar in that spot. I talked about yesterday how I believe that Dickerson is going to be a very good on-base guy. He can kind of restart that train. He can get base hits. He's been a guy that hasn't really been a big power bat his last couple of years in the league. It was kind of an intentional shift he had within the last few seasons. I believe it was when he was with Pittsburgh he started to do that, and that was something that the Pirates then, for a little while, were all able to kind of pick up on and say, hey, let's stop striking out so much. Let's put the bat on the ball. And at this point in his career, that's kind of where Corey Dickerson is at. He'll take his walks as well. He'll have a solid batting average in an era where batting average is not really considered all that important. I think Dickerson will be a guy that'll hit for a decent average. I think he'll have a decent on-base percentage and he may not be hitting home runs, but he he won't really need to, I don't think, in this lineup. If you get Goldsmith, O'Neill, Arenado, and those guys don't hit it over the wall, they're probably going to be on base, and that's when a base hit's going to score them. Dickerson, if he's in the five hole, can provide that. We know that Lars Newbar, as well from the left side, if he's going to DH at times, could provide that. Could they move Paul DeYoung up in the lineup? That's kind of the key cog, I think, in this entire thing. It's amazing how much... DeYoung could be the guy that makes this offense really churn and really have that consistency if he at shortstop as the Cardinals starter is able to have that consistency. Because in the past, that is not a way that I would describe Paul DeYoung's game offensively. He's not been a consistent hitter. He'd be the first to tell you. He's a guy who can run into him, and he'll hit his 25 home runs or some years his 30 home runs. He'll he'll punish pitchers that make mistakes. But can he game-to-game be consistent The idea is that, yes, this year he can be. He's focusing more on that game-to-game approach, having preparation that's going to to set him up for more success and and to try to avoid those prolonged slumps that he's been subject to in the past. I don't know if Paul DeYoung is a number 5 hitter in this league for, for a team with an explosive offense. I don't know if he'll have the consistency to do that. He's certainly going to try. And if he's able to accomplish it, I think the Cardinals are going to be in a really good spot. But if you can find that number five hitter from somewhere else, keep the pressure off of Paul DeYoung at number six in the lineup, a little bit lower. That bumps Molina down to seven, which is, you know, he's not going to be a big offensive force. He's not a power guy. His OPS may not eclipse 700. It didn't last year. But Yachty's still going to come up with clutch hits. And so he's going to be a guy that that's integral to your lineup. I know the war isn't going to love him offensively. I know the, the the weighted runs created plus are not going to love him offensively. That's fine. He's going to be one of your lower batters in the lineup. But then if you keep it with Bader 8, Edmund 9, as you had today, listen, I think Harrison Bader is going to have a year. Like to the point where I wouldn't blink about having him as your number five hitter or as your number six hitter necessarily. But I think he's better served, kind of like DeYoung, where you say keep the pressure off the guy. Let him do his thing where he's comfortable I think Bader is developing into a really, really, really fine player for the Cardinals. And offensively, he could be a catalyst at the bottom of the lineup at number eight. And Edmund, 
especially against right-handed pitching, or pardon me, left-handed pitching, like he found the home run today against a lefty, against righties, I don't know, but we'll see. But he's batting ninth. So, uh, you know, he's going to be one of those double leadoff guys to turn things back over to the top. But if you go Bader, Edmund, and then suddenly you're back to the Carlsons, Goldsmiths, O'Neills, Arenados, you don't have a chance. If those guys at the bottom are hitting and those guys at the top are hitting, five, six, seven really seems to be the weak spot in the lineup. One of them's one of the greatest right-handed hitters of all time. So he might find it. You know, he might be able to find it every once in a while if it's Albert. He may not be consistent. DeYoung, can he find consistency? I think that's what it all boils down to. But this was all a conversation about how can how can Ali Marmol and the Cardinals be right about what the offense could look like this season. And for me, I honestly don't have to squint very hard to see it. Like I said, maybe I'm I'm the homer here and I've got the rose-colored glasses on. But when you break it down and I look at the individual expectations for these players, I think the offense could be more of a point of emphasis this year for the Cardinals. And that could be good because you may not always get the pitching that that you're accustomed to getting in 2022. That, that may take a step back at times. And again, 2021, who am I kidding? It took a step back for the entire month of June. It was a disaster. That's why they had to go out and get guys at the trade deadline. But I'm just saying in terms of your rotation and what it looks like, Adam Wainwright is going to be Wainwright. I have not a bone in my body doubts Adam Wainwright at this point. I'd be foolish to to say otherwise. But you look elsewhere in the rotation. What are you going to get from Miles Michaels? Well, I said yesterday, for me, it's more about the innings that you get from him than it is what's his ERA. Because if you get 185 or 190 innings and the ERA is 4 or 3.9, that's okay. I know that's not like you're, you're bonafide number two in a rotation. That's not the role that you really want that guy to fill. But I think that's what Miles Michaelis can bring to the table. What about Dakota Hudson? I think he can be that guy with a 3.75, a 3.8 ERA, maybe closer to four if, if some of the FIP catches up to him, which I don't think it will because – Cardinals have a really good defense, and, and traditionally, he's outperformed his fielding independent pitching because Dakota Hudson is a guy that pitches to contact and has had a lot of success in doing that. It doesn't scare me for him. The one thing I would say is he's still a pretty young guy. Off the top of my head, I don't know, so you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to Google it. Type it in real quick. He's 27. He'll turn 28 in December, in September. I can't speak. 27 years old, turns 28 in September. I'm a couple months older than him. What do you know? But he's a guy that could still be improving and growing as a starting pitcher. That's my point. That I don't want to put him into a box and say, well, and a lot of people do this. In the analytics community, a lot of people do this. Well, he, he's got a high FIP, and so he's not going to be able to sustain the numbers that he's had. Okay, whatever you say. I see five gold glovers. And I think I said yesterday six, but I don't think that's right. I think they had five last year. Arnado. Goldsmith, Edmund, Bader, O'Neill. That's five. Carlson could win one this year, make it six. DeYoung could win one this year. But I'm looking at those guys, and I think behind Dakota Hudson, he's going to be successful once again with that defense. And so what's the key for him? Innings. Get to 170 innings. I know 180 innings. I understand that that might be a little tough coming off of Tommy John, that they may not let him do that. But I think the way he pitches, the style of pitcher that he is, I think you go ahead and let him eat. If he, if he's looking good out there, 
you let him eat, especially as you get into the summer when, when these guys are a little bit more strong, a little bit more built up. I think you, you give him that opportunity because you're going to need those innings. Steven Matz is going to be kind of the wild card. He's never been a real innings eater, and so I'm I'm saying reserve judgment. He could be fantastic. Hopefully he is, but I'm saying if you're talking about what the Cardinals are going to look like this year, I don't know that starting pitching is going to be just outstanding. You might have Adam Wainwright be outstanding. You might have Michaelis near four for an ERA, but he's eating innings. You might have a similar story with Hudson. You might, you don't know what you're going to get from Mats, but I think he may not be the innings eater. Hopefully he is. I don't know how durable he's been in the past to be able to do that, but I think you can get some quality performances from him, ERA below four. That's the number I keep looking at, and that's not exceptional. That's kind of average, right? But I think with the the offense the Cardinals could have this year, you can win. You can win with that. You are going to need the bullpen to be good, and hopefully the bullpen ends up kind of being an underrated aspect of this team. Even though right now you can look at it and, and you can see signs of, I don't know if they have the depth that maybe you hope they would. But at the same, like like I talk about, Henesis Cabrera was a little shaky today, but got out of it. Walked the first two batters that he faced. He's going to have to work. He's going to have to hone that in. But Gio Gallegos should be good. Helsley looked pretty good today. He could be a key factor in that. You obviously don't have Alex Reyes, but Andre Pallante is a new name that's going to be entered into the mix and I think could do a really good job as, as an upside guy in that bullpen. I think he's got high upside. You see how the Aaron Brookses of the world can function. Drew Verhagen, Woodford are kind of the long men sort of swing guys, and so I don't know how much day-to-day you'll expect from them. It's a little shallow for me, the bullpen is. It doesn't have quite the depth, but when does it ever, right? If you can just kind of find the guys and carve out their roles, I think you can be okay there. But I'm I'm, I'm talking about the pitching in a little bit deeper context because I'm just saying that that might not be the way that the Cardinals do it this year every time. They might be able to lean on their offense a little bit more frequently, which is only a good thing because if you don't have the offense, which they didn't consistently last year, and you don't have the pitching, which consistently, day-to-day, they didn't last season. And that's why they struggled for the bulk of the year until they won 17 in a row and everybody forgot about it. But if you have the offense picking up the slack more often, you're going to win more games. And I think that can be the identity of what this team is this year, where internally they're going to say, hey, we know what our identity is. We know what we've thrived with in the past. Really good defense. We're going to keep playing that to help out really good pitching. And we're going to keep having that, ideally, if we stay healthy. However, we're adding offense to the board this year, and we're going to take that challenge seriously. And I don't even know that they feel challenged so much by the idea that the offense just hasn't really been in the in the top portion of the league in recent years. Because I think it's just a team that exudes confidence right now offensively. And that is different than I think the way that it's felt in the past. Because they could always say, yeah, we know we you know we know what we need to do and we're going to do it and it's going to come, the hits will come, the runs will come. But there were times last year and in 2020 we were like, I just don't believe you. I know that you are trying to believe what you're saying, but I don't believe it. It doesn't seem plausible, it doesn't seem realistic given what we've seen from this team that suddenly out of thin air this consistency is going to emerge. I'm going to say that this year could be different. One game does not make you know, it does not pass judgment on on what happens over 162. 
But I, I think it was a very good sign. And it, it offered a glimpse into the way the lineup could function day to day. And I think it provides a way for the, the slumps to be limited. So we'll see. They'll get Mitch Keller on Saturday. He's another guy who used to be a top prospect, hasn't really panned out at the big leagues, looks better, velocity is up this spring. Let's see what he can do. And let's see what the Cardinals can do against him. I am very curious to see what this offense looks like. Because, again, I think you're really loaded one through four. I think Bader's going to be an X-factor wherever he bats in the lineup. Had an OPS of 780-plus last year. He's going to do it again. That's the way I view it. Edmund struggled last year. Molina was down last year. Young was down last year. Molina's probably going to be where he is. I think Young can bounce back from that. I don't know yet what to make of Edmund. I'm still a little concerned about him against right-handed pitching. It may be that he should just be a right-handed batter the whole time because it's kind of like the chicken or the egg. He's a switch hitter. So is it that he struggles against against right-handed pitching or is it that he struggles batting as a left-handed batter? Which is it? Talked about yesterday how last year he hit six home runs against left-handed pitching in nearly 400 fewer plate appearances, he only hit, or pardon me, in nearly 400 additional plate appearances against right-handed pitching, he only hit five home runs. So he hit fewer home runs in in far more plate appearances. And so I don't know if the switch hitting thing is, uh, that's something that I've seen people talk about on social media, wondering if maybe he should just give that up. Is it the chicken or the egg? Is he not as effective against right-handed pitching, or is it he's just not as effective with that lefty swing? We've seen him take good swings from the left side, so I don't think it's that, but it's been a a slump that's definitely carried on to this point the entire 2021 season. We'll see what it ends up up looking like in 2022. But again, I think there's reinforcements for that spot as well. If you want to turn second base into a platoon, you can have Nolan Gorman, who ideally should be able to come up soon and hit right-handed pitching when he does. That could be a really interesting platoon. I don't know what he'll look like defensively. If it's bad, he can just be your DH against right-handed pitching. And and he's part of that platoon with Albert, who will, who will go against lefties. Like, I think the pieces are there to be put into place for this to be a successful offense, more so than it was last year or in any recent season. And I'm very intrigued to see the way it goes. Day one was obviously a, a great start as far as uh, being able to, to become a, a team that can can kind of rally its identity around its offense. Be really fascinated to see the way that unfolds this season. But that's about going to do it for this wrap-up of the opening day win for the Cardinals over the Pirates, 9-0 over Pittsburgh on Thursday. And so that'll wrap up this edition of B-Shape Daily. I appreciate you guys immensely for continuing to listen. And I've been talking with Charlie Marlowe, potentially, about starting to put some of these on his YouTube channel as well. So if you prefer YouTube... Uh, to listening to podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, things like that, where you should certainly subscribe. But you may also be able to access B-Shape Daily here soon via YouTube. Going to continue to talk with Charlie and, and see if we can start to make that happen, see if we can test it out, and if people end up actually watching over there, which I don't know that there will be a video element, uh, but it'll at least be the audio that you'll be able to to access via YouTube, potentially. Uh, we'll see if that ends up being something that can work out. But If not, if it's easy for you on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, I I say those are two really great places to get B-Shape Daily. So you should, uh, you know what you should do? I think you should subscribe over there. 
I don't know why I sounded kind of Italian when I when I went into that accent. That was weird. I don't know what that was. But definitely subscribe to Be Shape Daily so you can be up to date on all things Cardinals throughout this 2022 season as we break things down um, on a on a pretty much daily basis. Four or five times a week is what I keep saying. Hopefully I'll be able to stick to that now that the season has actually begun. But I'm going to wrap things up here because it is late at night and I need to get to sleep. So appreciate you guys once again. Give me a follow on Twitter at bshafer 12 Shoot me a DM. What you think about the Cardinals, questions, comments, concerns about the podcast. I'm your man. Throw them my way, and I'll be happy to interact with you over there. Appreciate you guys once again, and we'll talk to you next time on B-Shafe Daily. Peace.